I mean, the money is just, it, it enabled me to continue to recover from the renovation of that first property. And then I was able to buy another one, um, maybe a year-ish and a half later. What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. All right, what's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Short-Term Rental Secrets. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and co-host, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's going on, E? What's up, guys? How's everybody? Fantastic. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, man. This coronavirus is a real thing. It's actually, it's actually happening. So dealing with the aftermath of that, or the pre-mat of that, I should say. So starting to get a couple cancellations. Um, so it's just an interesting time and, uh, 10 years in the business, man, had never happened. Like I had that cancellation for like hurricane season, mm-hmm. but a pandemic cancellation yeah. feels very much like a, like a movie. Um, so, but let's see, man, we'll, we'll see and we'll learn. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how we're going to be able to adjust. I know you and I have talked about like all the different type of type of travelers and I have some people that have to be here so they're they're all coming still um so it's gonna be interesting to see how we can switch from the family travelers a little bit more like concerned to maybe the business travelers or or somebody that's gonna be he has or he or she has to come so it's it's um it's always fun man yeah for sure i did a uh i did a facebook live the other day just kind of talking about that and re going through the nine different traveler profiles. And one of those is people that need medical attention, right? Like if you need heart surgery, you don't care if there's some virus going around, like you still need heart surgery. Like you're not going to postpone that. Otherwise, you know, it's imminent. So like people will still need to travel. So if you're around the hospital, it's a good spot to be right now, quite frankly, for a short-term rental. Um, so yeah, it's the real thing. We'll see, you know, what the impacts are. I definitely see a little blip for the next few months, for sure, especially around discretionary travel. Um, but I don't think the industry is going anywhere. Um, and I think once people, once the the panic kind of calms down a little bit, and you know, we've got the smartest people on the planet working on this stuff now because it's literally affecting everybody. So they're gonna figure it out at some point. So I always just tell people, you know, just stay positive. Like things happen in business and life. You just gotta roll with the punches and you keep it moving. So with that being said, uh, I want to get right into our interview because I'm super excited to introduce Christina, who is here with us today from beautiful Florida. And uh, she has a full-time job and she's running a bunch of short-term rental units. And for those of you that have jobs and you're considering getting in the game, um, we want to interview her because just like most of us, we started this out as a side hustle. And you can take it as big or as small as you want to go and just make some extra income on the side. And um, that's pretty much it. So, Christina, why don't you introduce yourself? Give us kind of the two-minute rundown on what your background is, what your full-time gig is, and how you got into short-term rentals. So, I am 
Christina and I live here in Fort Lauderdale. I have a full-time job in finance. I work as a senior analyst in corporate. I've been doing this for 11 years or more. Um, I am originally from Jamaica, so, you know, love the weather and I appreciate the vacation industry and, you know, hoteling and all of that. I have always had some exposure to it. I got into vacation rentals. I used to have a three bedroom, two bath uh, condo out in West Miramar, which is more of a, um, so right now I'm on the east side of Fort Lauderdale, which is, or I'm about 12 minutes from the beach. When I was over there, I was way out west and I happened to be close to a medical school and I got on Airbnb right when it just started. I think I've been on Airbnb for almost six or seven years. So I was one of the first, you know, in the first year of it and I posted it because I'm just allergic to paying my mortgage. I have to be honest with you. I've only made two mortgage payments in the last six years out of my pocket. And that was because my renovations went past my mortgage payment date, which because now I'm renovating properties, it's kind of a different, you know, ball game. So I started with that property. Then I got, uh, I went into real estate. So I do have a real estate background. And then I decided if I was, I couldn't decide if I was going to stay in real estate or go back into finance. And then I decided to go back into finance because I needed the W-2 income to buy properties easier because of the 1099 income. I'd only been a realtor for two years and you know how real estate is. You don't really make that much money your first couple of years. So got my, got back into finance. And then after that, I bought my first property with my offer letter. So a girlfriend of mine was um, renting out vacation rentals, the entire house in Fort Lauderdale in the neighborhood that I'm in now. And she introduced me to this concept of buying a house specifically just to Airbnb. So this is in 2015. So I think I started that job, let's say September, and I was on the contract and closed by December. And um, I found that property off market. It, that, that was like the funniest story, but one of the biggest parts of this business is to find special properties with that has a little bit of magic but also at a really good deal and that takes a lot of consistency like being very diligent and that's one of the things about me I'm, i get very like focused when it comes to like finding that my next you know i call them my my little projects so i got my first house um at the time i was living in boca so i was renting a place in boca i had my condo in west miramar and i bought my property in fort lauderdale so I Airbnb'd all of them and was living between them. <laughs> so, wow. um, yeah, it was kind of, I mean, I was young. I don't, you're like, whatever. So, um, again, I, I didn't like paying rent or mortgage. So I rented out the, the condo in Boca until they found out. And then they told me I needed to stop, which I didn't. I kept doing it until the lease ended. And then, um, I mean, the money is just, it, it enabled me to continue to recover from the renovation of that first property. And then I was able to buy another one, um, maybe a year ish and a half later. So that next property was two blocks away. No, maybe like, yeah, two blocks away from my first property in this, in this neighborhood. So the neighborhood that I'm in is gentrifying. So it's not like super nice but it's up and coming. So 
that's one of the things I love about this area. And the one thing I love about Airbnb is that it enables me to hold these assets. So, and you know, I'm holding the assets, so I have some appreciation, but you can't depend on that. So there's appreciation. And then on top of that, there's the income, which you can recover your investment and then save up to buy again. So at this point, I have four full-time Airbnb properties along with my home that I live in while still having a full-time job. So that's kind of my story. Mm. She packed a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of work. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is something that I just roll out of bed and just do. Um, I'm very hands-on. I've, and the thing about your business is that you have to learn all parts of it, you know, learn. There's so much, there's a lot to it, but it can be done. But if you invest at the beginning to educate yourself and to continuously invest in your education, as things come up, you can always solve it really quickly. And it's like, it's like a muscle. It's like going to the gym. The more you do this, the better you are because of the confidence and experience. And sometimes you can't understand how you solve the problem, but it's because of all of that work that you've put in. I love that. And I found mm-hmm. that there's kind of two different style operators. There's folks like you and E that were both very hands-on and like got in there and like did it. And then I was kind of the opposite end of it that pretty, very, very hands-off. Like we've got properties in a lot of different states, so I physically can't be there. So it's much more hands-off and just had to figure out certain ways to automate a lot of the business, but it can work either way. And it's honestly like whatever floats your boat and whatever gets you comfortable. 100%. And I think that you have to look at what is it that you want? Like, what are, what are your long-term goals? And also be fully aware of your personality. You know, if you put yourself into a property that is a hundred miles away, but you can't sleep at night because you can't see it, that's not for you. And if you need to respond to every issue and show up, your properties need to be driving distance. And I think that, you know, you don't want to jump into something that is not aligned with who you are. And, and there's nothing wrong with figuring it out on the job also, right? Because mm. let me tell you something about every business and every entrepreneur needs to understand that you, you can never be afraid of failing. That is the true, uh, it's, it's the way you learn. It's the way that you become the person that you're supposed to be and to, to truly take everything that you do to the next level is to fall. Because picking yourself up every single time after something, you know, I mean, I've had some stuff happen. I, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see my pool. I had to dig out the back of my pool like three weeks ago. Guests were coming and there was no water in the pool. Like, when you have gone through some stuff, like I was wiped off for two months for a hurricane, you know, like when you've gone through some things that sound like that feel hard, it's setting you up 100%. And you just need to figure out what is it that aligns with your personality and the second and you know, your long-term goals, of course. And after that, you're solid. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's funny because for a moment there, I was like, are we talking about short-term rentals? Are we talking about life? Like, what's going on right now? <laughs> and, uh, but that's, that's true, right? It's the same thing. And I think, and, and knowing Christina, right? So, like, my backstory with Christina is that we actually met when we're both, we're both real estate agents still, but we randomly sat together at a Keller Williams course. 
and so this whole course and then for the whole like eight weeks of the course was we were at the same table had no idea about any of this and then we i randomly remet her last year or a year and a half ago at a exactly. bigger pockets meetup that we host i'm like and she's like yeah i do airbnb so it became this whole thing and uh What's funny about Christina is that I know she doesn't enjoy some parts of the business, but her why is so strong behind it that she survives it, right? So to me, that's the other part is like either do just what you're good at or if you're doing something that you're not good at, can you put your why into perspective as to why you're doing it? Because then if you're able to put that into perspective, you almost get this like extra little like oomph that allows you to like kind of put like just come through and and survive through some of the bullshit that may like unmotivate you if you're not really connected to that why um and then yeah you should definitely follow her on instagram because she has a little <laughs> honda civic that i don't know how it's still running it's a corolla <laughs> it's a corolla yeah or something like at the, i don't know like, there is videos that she puts like Paper. 17 bags of mulch in it <laughs> and it's literally like that far off the ground <laughs> so very different right very different from mike and i like mike is very hands-off systems i i am blessed with an amazing team that allows me to be more hands-off um but i did the my beginning was that whole maintenance part of it so i completely agree with what you said earlier get to know your business Regardless of how long you're planning on staying in Airbnbs, how many units you plan on having, just kind of understand the lay, of the, the lay of the land so that you can be educated, regardless yeah, sure. of, of what your plan is. So what are, I like this. So where, what are your goals, Christina, with your business? Because it, it sounds like you're, you kind of, a lot of people talk about the Burr method when it comes to real estate, right? You buy a beat up property, you renovate it, you refinance it, you pull the money out and you go do it again and you rent them out and you build a portfolio. You're essentially speeding up that process using Airbnb. So is that kind of your long-term plan or what, what's your ultimate goals with this business? That's a very good question because there's some days when less now than maybe a year ago where I was like, oh my God, this is too much. I want to get out of it. Um, you have days where you do feel that way, but I, it's doing so well that it's, it's hard to walk away from something that is, that, that I'm growing and I'm building. Um, so yes, I know about the Burr method and I, it's, the thing about it is that the properties that I'm buying are not dirt cheap. So my first property was 224 and my most expensive property was, is 257 but you know they take you know it's 20 percent down for the, the ones that i did with an investment loan and to to refinance a property that's not my primary i haven't learned all of that yet but the thing that i'm trying to get at is that i make so much money with the with the airbnb and on top of having my full-time job i i'm very i come into the cash pretty quickly and uh, I don't know if you want real numbers, but for instance, you know, like I spent, let's say $60,000 last April. I made that all back by December, you know, and that's, that's it. It's, 
uh, I don't know how to describe it, but I do have a full-time job. So that is a part of it. And then there is the revenue that comes in from my Airbnbs. And, you know, my properties are at 180 to $220 a night. And then on top of that, I don't have any expenses because my rentals pay my mortgages. My mortgage, I drive a Corolla. I don't have any big expenses. So I've just structured my situation in such a way where I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I buy this property. I'm going to recover the renovation cost. Then I give it 16 months to become profitable. And then um, I'm all while all that cash is coming in, I'm putting that together to buy my next property. I also sold my first unit that I bought after, um, I bought that during the recession. So I did come into a windfall there and that has enabled me to buy more. So the next step to your point will be to look into drawing money out of the current property I'm sitting in right now. Um, I went way over budget on this property. I bought it for 183. It appraised for 215. And I put at this point about $35,000 into it. But, and to me, I don't feel comfortable tying up all my cash in it because I did have to do a 20% down. So I'm about 60 to $70,000 in just hard cash into this property. So this will be my first attempt to refinance out of it if I can find a way to do that on an investment property. The other option would be to sell it. But I just got booked, you know, tomorrow, my first guest comes here on Sunday and he booked for three weeks, you know, and it was a $3,200 booking. So it's like, you get a taste for it and you're just like, no, I can't sell it. But um, I am going to truly explore that because I could probably sell this property netting 265 because I did go all out on it. Not all, all out, but you know, I did a good job on the renovation. And then maybe taking that profit to buy two Airbnbs instead of buying, having the one. Um, I'm probably going on a little bit too much, but that's where my mind is. And that's to me, the next step in my business is to find ways to refinance out of my cash out of the situation or to offload one so I can buy two or offload one so I can buy one and have cash. And, you know, as I interact with more people who are doing this, I am learning all the different avenues that I can take with my business. I love that. Mm -hmm. I know one of the biggest questions that I had and a lot of people currently have is they're like, well, when do you know when to quit your job? And in your instance, you're like, I'm probably not like you're good at what you do. And you're just like, the, I always say this, whether you like your job or not, the longer you can hold off yeah. and double down on the cash flow, the better off you're going to be long-term. Like we probably could have left our jobs like a year ago, but we waited and waited and waited till we got to a point where, you know, we probably could have left when we had like 10 properties, but we waited till we were at like 27, right? Like it was like, you know what I mean? So, you know, you're, you're just able to reinvest that cash because you don't need to live off of it. It's a different ballgame when you need to live off the cash flow. Yeah. So Emmanuel, one of the first things he said to me when I re-met him at the meeting a year ago, and I was like, I hate my job. I hate my job. He was like, keep your job. And I was like, I didn't come here for somebody to tell me to keep my job. And I mean, I'm one of those people that I say what I think, but um, I was like, dude, what? Um, so 
100% yes, having a job is so important for financing, stabilizing yourself financially. And one of the most empowering things is walking into your job that you don't like and being able to know in the back of your mind that you have a business that you're making equal or more money doing. And the other thing too that I love about my business too is that I've created this ecosystem of people that support me that I can help employ. And it's like this other whole company that I have over here, even though I walk into this one that's soul sucking, I feel like there's something very empowering about walking into your job, knowing that you're a CEO over here and you're not going to put up with your garbage over here. And I have to tell you, I, I, I know the moment when that shift happened for me, when somebody said to me, you should turn your full-time job into your side hustle. You know, like that you said that at the beginning that, you know, I'm one of those people who do short-term rental on the side. And the second you said it in my mind, I already knew that this is my job. My, my W2 is my side hustle. And there's something about the confidence of doing this when you walk into your corporate job that they see. They don't know what it is, but I've been encouraged at my job to be more outspoken, to take more leadership, to take on more responsibility because I walk in there and I don't give a shit. And there's something about that that I'm telling you transfers and will pro propel you in both of those arenas if you can be strategic about it. Mm. Um, Obviously, don't tell everybody that you're running a, a short-term business. Short, I mean, Airbnbs on the side. A girlfriend of mine did that, and she was, you know, it didn't work out very well for her. No one at my job knows what I do except maybe two or three people. And to be honest, one of those people ended up buying uh, a duplex. He converted into two short-term rentals and bought a third one now. And we're all like, I am helping people at my job who are interested in doing it. But 100%, if you can hold on to your W-2, do it to the point where it doesn't hinder your growth. And you will know when that time is ready. And, and if I walk out to my job and I'm like, you know, you can't talk to me that way. And I'm like, I'm done. And I walk out, I'm okay. I'll just, I don't know, go to Jamaica for a month. <laughs> and then come There you back. go. I want to <laughs> go with you. We went there for a honeymoon. It was amazing. Really? Um, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I'll always remember the moment when I had that realization at my job, when mm -hmm. some of my big bosses wanted me to make my team work over Easter weekend to get some stuff done. And I was like, no, <laughs> nope, they're not working. You can and say it, Because when you, when you get to that, and it's not being a bad employee, it's just like, you don't have to feel at the mercy of somebody else for your well-being 100 percent. and i see people at my jobs who are depending on this for retirement you know constantly putting money in their 401k and i'm like you know you're gonna live to your 86 or 90 do you really think that this job 401k that only those two percent match is really going to be giving you the lifestyle that you want at retirement and that has that that mental switch also there can can be very hindering to your entrepreneurial life if you don't fully understand what it means to to be self-sustained because that job will suck the the life out of this if you don't really 
understand the mindset of being an entrepreneur because those people at that job are just sitting there like at the mercy of their jobs. They come in on time. I don't come in time, but you know, like they, they're pretty much like these, I call them droids, you know, and it's, I, I've definitely had that happen. And I encourage everyone out there that if, if to, to, to strive for that moment, you know, it's not quitting your job moment. It's the, it's the graduation moment of moving from droid to being you. <laughs> that was good. That was so good. Yeah, I really <laughs> like that. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole point, right? Like that's, I think, and Mike and I have, have had the pleasure of knowing each other for a long time. And, and that's been the whole, th- the whole thing, right? That's what we are obsessed with all the time is understanding that like the possibilities are endless and it's so easy now. Like you make money with Airbnb, you make money with Duro. You can put your car on Duro and make money there. And it's this just never anything. And then people are so resigned to like, just, yeah, just living, like just I'll get through this day and I'll get through this day. And then that's, they get through their life. And then at the end of it, they're just like, fuck. I didn't do nothing, anything. There's nothing wrong with that. And one of the things that I have learned, especially coming from Jamaica, which is a third world country, is that it's okay for some people to be okay with that. Yes. The other, with yeah. some other standard or expectation of their lifestyle. But if you know that there's something more, just, just be yeah. careful about that mind, being around that mindset a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you and I had that conversation last week, Thursday, about looking at a uh, 15plex. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to genuinely say, my, you like opened up this like whole world of non-thoughts in my mind. You know, I never, my mind isn't that commercial yet. Yeah. I haven't come to that stage yet, but someone will come across you and they'll trigger that idea. And then Mm -hmm. once that idea starts, you start looking and then you start putting things together and then you'll start moving yourself in that direction. But, and that is the thing that we need to do is to, is to be around people that are triggering our minds to be open to things that you never even knew was possible. And that is not happening at a, in a great cubicle at your job. (laughs) Yeah. Very difficult. At least like, it's going to be very, very difficult unless you Christina sit next to Mike in his cubicle and you're both having the same thoughts and then randomly hit it. I am in silence. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So why don't you touch on, why like how deep of renovations are you doing like are you buying complete guts are you and then what do you do like what what have you found it's important so you know you you kind of mentioned that you know there are parts of airbnb that i don't like and Mm -hmm. to be honest i'm not a big fan of the whole guest interaction even though the whole concept of airbnb is to give the guest experience no i absolutely love finding that incredible property that I see the vision I see what someone's going to walk into and for me because my neighborhood is a little bit like up and coming I always envision that they step through the front door and the street disappears 
Mm. And me, I love the creation of that experience for the guest. So I love the renovation. I do the first house I bought, that lady had seven cats living in that house and a dog. And then she had 13 cats outside. Oh, okay. wow. I can get rid of cat pee. That's on my resume, Airbnb resume. Can eliminate cat pee. <laughs> <laughs> that house stunk so badly that nobody was buying it. I walked into it. I saw the backyard. It had a pool, this incredible backyard. I mean, it was totally disgusting. And I just knew that I could make it into what it is now. And that to me, the, 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 um, finding these, they're not good. None of these places are in great condition. And I can do these transformations. I keep looking around because I'm in one right now. And that to me is the most rewarding and fulfilling part of this. And what I love about Airbnb is that there's so much income that it absolutely makes the renovation worth it when you look at your ROI. Um, yeah, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah. So what are some things that you do? Like, what are some things that you don't, like you mentioned that you, on this one, you went all out and then you're like, I okay. kind of chipped out on a couple of things, but I went all out on a lot of things. So, so what my are those things? This house was supposed to be $17,000 because I wasn't going to spend as much money on the inside. I was going to make the backyard this incredible getaway. So, but here I ended up doing floors and I pulled permits for, um, I pull permit for my work. So we're doing right now, if, I don't know if you can hear work, but they're doing the front, the, the three doors. I did the floors, um, all of the baseboards, painting, the kitchen cabinets, uh, plumbing, countertops, um, ceiling fans. Um, so basically it's, we didn't do the bathroom on this one because of my budget. I had to put up a fence with a permit and that cost me close to $6,000 and mm. I had a $17,000 budget. That's how come I ended up at 34. So when I, if I do decide to sell this property, I will be gutting the bathroom. Um, but for the purposes of Airbnb, I just um, painted, resealed the tub, changed the toilet seats, put in a new vanity, mirror, done. And one of the things that you know, people get really overwhelmed with these renovations and it's not that serious. It's, if you can find competent people, um, I have an incredible, incredible guy. He's not cheap, but I have a full-time job, so I can't be here. And he comes, I see him on the camera when he arrives. I see the time that he leaves and I pay him. I show up in the evenings. I walk through the property. I see what's done. And because I've been doing this, um, I do understand the work. I understand what it means to light. I understand what it, what a day's work should look like. And that's one of the things that can be a little bit intimidating. Mm -hmm. I don't have contractors. I pay hourly because I don't need to, I don't need to get into that. Um, that's a whole other thing, but, um, I believe that paying hourly works for me because I know the work. I know what it takes to do the work and I'm not in the business of being ripped off and chasing people down for money and they're not showing back up. <laughs> so Yeah. No. Um, and I think, and I think that goes back to your experience, right? So like if you know what to expect and you know how long it takes, yes. it makes sense for you to pay hourly 
because you have an idea in your mind of how many hours it's going to take and then you can really like keep it and then also is is finding the one honest kind of go-to person right i have so, gone through many people and yeah. i'm not afraid to try new people out and it cost me mm-hmm. charge me four hundred dollars to put up gutters and to float floors and to paint a wall and it was not four hundred dollars worth of work and it turned into this big argument and i was just like this is the other thing too and i don't mean to you know, like go off on a tangent but being a woman and these people knowing where you live to me is another variable where i just paid him the four hundred dollars and said we're not doing anything again goodbye then i find a next person then you know i can i've learned to um be okay with losses in the process of finding that amazing person that's going to take your business to the next level and i've gone through some terrible contractors i have i mean screaming in the backyard like tears i mean they will they will take you through the ringer but those are the experiences as to what brought me to this guy who's working here today and he's he's such a blessing i have no words to describe but don't tell him but he knows he knows i love him <laughs> but um and this is all the thing about orally i do know that orally is a different concept because you can pay more for menial work but he's putting in three doors for me imagine paying a contractor to put in three doors for me a contractor to do plumbing so there are things where he's making a lot of money on menial work but then he does big jobs for me that to me levels out he painted outside painted inside to paint this house outside would have been twelve hundred dollars not including materials he was hourly and did it in a day and a half yeah so, yeah so it's all about that like it's all about what what you need for your business and then understanding yeah. where to take wins and where to take losses um where where so i know your theme is not that big right because also you have mostly you have the handyman on an hourly basis. You have a landscaper, I think, and then two, two cleaning people. Yeah. Yeah. And then where did you find those? Like, where? How did that happen? Like, did you use Craigslist? Did you put a sign outside? Oh God, no. Um, I found my handyman on TaskRabbit. I have two handyman actually. Um, one for, like, he's he's cheaper at twenty five an hour, and he does stuff that I can do. And then, mm-hmm. but I don't want to. And then my other guy, he, I, he comes for this, the big jobs. Then my cleaning lady, I got through a referral and she referred me to the other lady. And then my yard guy knocked on my door. And I mean, he drives me crazy. Like he is like, but his work is so good that even though he drives me crazy, that it's, he he's just but he's so meticulous you know but he's he he's good let's let's move on from that but yeah so that's yeah. my team. <laughs> um <laughs> that's my team of people and i i think i've been working with everyone for maybe going on two years yeah you know, that's awesome yeah and and sometimes that's just how it happens man like sometimes you gotta kind of take the people that you find and, and if if they're good and you can train them and they're and they care. I think like to me, yeah. that's what's been the biggest thing. If I can find somebody that actually cares and then it's a little rough around the edges, I can fix the edges um, because they care. I can teach people how to care 
especially the cleaning people, right? It's very difficult to teach people like the level of clean that we need on yes. in our business. Um, but yeah. I'm glad you're not cleaning the places yourself. So that's good. No, I, yeah. I did start out cleaning myself on yeah. my first property. Yeah. And I think that when, you know, to every person who's starting out with Airbnb, you need to clean your places yourself. You need to understand what it takes, what your place should look like, um, just to understand what the cleaning people deal with, right? Um, but I don't mm. do that at all in a very, very long time because eventually you graduate to a point where you're working on your business and not in your business. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm reading the e-myth right now. I don't know why it has taken me so long to <laughs> this book. I, That's I, because you don't ask me, like you don't talk to me about things. <laughs> Um, then every time you talk to me, you know that I'm going to tell you what to do. And then you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to listen to you. Okay. I know you I know you may be right, but I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm not listening to you. I come off like passive listeners. I, yes. I come off like I'm not, but it's totally like going in. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just you don't want to give this like satisfaction and look at me and be like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You'll be like, hmm, I'm not going to show it. So the E-Myth is an excellent book that I, I, I'm reading right now. I've yeah, read I agree. I've read Atomic Habits twice this year already. Mm. Um, that is my Bible. I now have a habit share app that I use that has kept me on track. Um, I have to say that like this month has been one of the most intensely insane months. Um, I had a renovation, this renovation. So I had two properties go live. One went live yesterday. This one goes live on Sunday. Then I had to be away during the renovation for a funeral. And then on top of that, this whole virus thing. So I've had, you know, cancellations. And I would love to talk about that for a second. Um, so that, it's been very, very tough. But for some reason, I feel fine. And I think that that is one of the things that you learn as you keep doing this is that, that muscle for stress, that muscle for solving problems, it grows over time. So don't feel intimidated, you know, to get into this because it may feel like it's hard at first, but I promise you, like over time, you just become this, like this insanely productive solve problem, like superhero <laughs> machine. Yeah. 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 I don't feel, yeah. I don't feel overwhelmed, but I think for me, I live, and I, you know, this goes into my spiritual self, is that I, I live in the faith that everything's going to be fine. Or that could just be, be Jamaican, you know, like everything's going to be yeah, all right. Yeah, everything um, is airy. So I don't worry. Like this corona thing, you know, like getting these um, cancellations has been, at first it's a little jarring, but I think in this business and any business, you need to look at, look for what is the opportunities here, for instance, mm -hmm. right? If someone is canceling and it's like a month away, I'm just like, um, no, you're not getting a refund. You know, it depends on where they're coming from. What is their circumstance? Like, you know, we don't know. This was a week ago, not today. But I was like, we don't know what this thing is. So, you know, please decide what you want to do. I can work with you on giving you a partial refund. But if you're, if you're coming tomorrow and you're canceling, you know, right now, remember, you can get a portion of the cancellation fee. And one of the things that I've been extremely good about is learning the SEOs on Airbnb. So 
And that comes from constantly educating yourself, you know, keeping on top of how the Airbnb platform works. So the second I got my cancellation, I was able to go into my profile and make a, a bunch of changes to boost my profile and boom, I got another booking. So on top of the cancellation, I got another booking. And then, so every single time I've had a cancellation, I add a new picture. I change, you know, up, you know, like just try to enhance the, the profile as much as possible. And then if you invest in learning about how the platform works, you can really figure out ways to like um, overcome any of these things that are coming up. And I don't think that this Corona thing is going to be a short term thing. We need to start thinking long term. And for me, for instance, this new property, I'm definitely going to look at marketing, marketing this, this place to more long-term bookings, you know, nurses, out-of-state people, people who are transitioning. This guy, he'll be here for a month because of a renovation that's going on. So, you know, I don't want to put myself at risk, but I need to be preemptive, you know, and I need to look, okay, if this is not working out, how can I think of another way to make this work for me? I love that. And that, I, that was like the exact talk I gave to some of my students the other night where I'm like, okay, if you step back and look at, I call it like the nine traveler profiles. Okay, yeah, vacation will probably take a hit. Corporate probably will probably get reduced. But if you're anywhere near a hospital, like people still need to go to the hospital. Like, unfortunately, like somebody's house is still going to flood at some point. Somebody's house yeah. might burn down at some point. They need, they're going to get displaced. People are still like doing things, coming back for life events or whatever. So yes, there will definitely be a blip with short-term rentals for a little bit. But again, it's not the end of the world. If you have good properties in good areas, you're still going to get bookings. Yes. So one of the things I did was um, I changed my instant booking on one of my properties. I turned it off, then extended the booking period and then boosted the listing. So what I'm trying to do is get those long bookings first. And then as the dates start coming closer, then I'll open it back up to the instant bookers. And everyone's so afraid of coming off instant booking. I have not had any problem. You know, like, um, I do think you should be on instant book. But if there's a reason why you don't want to be, like, for instance, this house was not an instant book. Um, but again, educate yourself on the platform. Learn how to, to, to really, I, I, I want to say work the system, but I don't want to say that. But I've been very, very good at it. You know. Could you give us maybe like three nuggets that you use? Because I'm intrigued because I've heard a lot of different things. So I always like to get perspective from people. So the biggest thing on Airbnb is to add pictures. So I have an iPhone 11. I just go in my backyard and just go, you know, take some shots and have, you know, do the edits and then I upload it. The other thing too is to um, change the description, you know, where it says um, on the pictures, change one word, move a full stop. It doesn't matter. As long as Airbnb sees that you have um, made a change, it, it helps the SEO. And then the other one, which I've been using for years before I learned all of this was to change the pricing. So what I will do, let's, so my houses, I can only have three day blocks. Okay. But let's say I have a two day window. I will drop that price because it can't be booked to $65. So when people are searching and their, their, their bracket is lower than the 180 for my nights, my 65 day house will show up in their, um, their parameters, right? But my house isn't $65. 
So, but, so those are just three of the top ways that I've like tweaked my profile to just get extra bookings. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And all of this is online, like go on YouTube. You know, there's a guy out there. I follow him obsessed with him, Airbnb automated. He does rental arbitrage, which I'm not, um, I kind of actually thought about it this morning, um, about getting into that. But to me, the work isn't worth not having the benefit of holding the asset. Um, but yeah, I agree. And then if you're in this moment right now, if you're doing an Airbnb arbitrage, you're completely fucked. Well, well, the benefit is that you can let go of the assets. You can just break the lease, right? So that's kind of, okay. So let's say for instance, for instance, you can't, okay. really, you can't really burn a lease. Like you can't really just get out of a lease. I mean, it depends who the landlord is. Just walk, oh, I'll, I'll, just walk away from your deposit. So for instance, on my properties, one of them, I'm making $6,000 gross this month or, you know, so January, no, January is, was a little bit low this month. I mean, the year compared to last year, but I was at 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 6,000, right? My leases, let's say all of my houses, they would rent for not even $1,800 a month right? If I had a lease and it, and it, some, and I had to break my lease, all the money that I made January, February, March would have more than paid for breaking my lease in September or July, you know, and not to mention my mortgage is 2056 versus renting a property in my neighborhood for 1650, 1800. This house that I'm in now rents for 1650. 1550 but maybe i would get 1650 because i went you know i did nice renovations but there is a benefit for thinking about the rental arbitrage um if you're not afraid of like walking away from it if the situation doesn't walk it doesn't you know benefit you but there is the whole idea of furnishing the whole house and the other thing too with the rental arbitrage you're taking that house as it is you can't put down new floors you can't put in a new vanity and you have to rent a nicer place. So maybe sixteen fifty is really two thousand dollars a month to get a renovated property. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. just gonna show you the co-host model because then you got no money in the deals. Uh, Which is management kind of. I have, I have no no leases, no nothing. And if the owners don't do the upgrades, I don't take the property. I've not I've not been exposed to that, and <laughs> I think that that's a fantastic entry into this kind of business, especially if, you know, you're not in a position to just go out and buy a property or to put down, you know, first, last and security. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can be a lot. 100%. That's a fantastic way because Airbnb is not just having the property. It's everything else. It's the communication with the client, sorry, uh, guest, um, oh, dealing with their, their, you know, I want to cancel or blah, blah, blah. Like, again, educate yourself, educate yourself, figure out what you want, figure out what aligns with your long-term values and what you're good at. And then figuring out that, 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 that mix that will work for you. I love that. For sure. So I want to be mindful of your time. We're like a couple minutes before one o'clock. Um, so one of the last questions that we'd like to ask everybody that comes on here is, well, number one is usually what's your number one secret, but you kind of touched on a lot of that. So I want to ask you instead, where do you, where do you see that 
where do you see the industry going? Like, where do you see this business going? In Fort Lauderdale? Like the Airbnb business. In, in Fort Lauderdale, Airbnb is not going anywhere. Um, the city is on board with the Airbnb model. They have set up their entire taxes, the permitting process, and I do all of that too. So that's all the part people need to think about when you get into Airbnb is the regulations. Um, I think that, you know, the hotels, you know, they, they say that we're taking business away from the hotels. That might be true, but I think that Airbnb is opening up doors for people who never would have traveled at all. You know, some of my guests are, you know, from middle of nowhere, you know, Virginia or Ohio, and I'm not trying to say anything, you know, anything about that, but I'm just saying, I can't imagine these four groups of, you know, two couples affording a 200, no, let's say like, because you know, when you book a hotel, it's never just that you have to pay for a valet, the, um, the, 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 the tourism tax that they have down here. So for some people, this is a very affordable way to see the country, to go out and have these experiences that they never would have done at all. So we are adding, um, we're bringing people into the tourism market, number one. We're bringing revenue to the city, right, because of the taxes. And then we're bringing revenue to all of the businesses that are around here. And there's obviously a demand. I think that the most important thing right now is that I think Airbnb has to do a little bit better on um, that's a whole nother podcast. Advocating for the host. That's not going to change. I, I don't think that's Airbnb. No, that's let's, that's not going to change. I think I, they should too though. That's what I was thinking also, Mike. They don't care. No, they don't give a shit. I agree. No. But they should, but they don't care. Their model is, is we can always get more hosts. We can get more travelers. So that's always been. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. I feel like, to my understanding, Airbnb is going public, right? So they need to have certain metrics about customer experiences. So what's happening is that their model is shifting more towards the guest experience because of this process that they're going through. When I first started with Airbnb, I have to tell you that the host experience was incredible. Um, I mean, I've been doing this for six years. It has steadily gone down, but I genuinely believe it was ruined by some bad characters who took advantage of what they were doing at the beginning, especially when it comes to recovering damage loss and so forth. Like, no, you can't get anything. It's so difficult. And I do agree that they're not very good with the host. Um, however, I found that if you are a good host and you have a lot of volume, they treat you differently. And I don't mean, you know, and it's us as hosts to build your business, to build your credibility with Airbnb. And it's just like everything else, you know, like build your relationship with them. And if they, if they treat you wrong, go on social media. They have a Facebook page on, um, on Facebook and I go up there and I blow them up and then they call me. Like learn <laughs> business get aggressive, like go balls out, like stop being a pants. That's not the word I really want to say, but like really, really take ownership of the fact that this is your business and you want it to work. Even if they don't give a crap about hosts, make them give a crap about you. Um, 
My problem with Airbnb is that they don't educate the guests about what it is to be at an Airbnb. Like people will come into the house and treat it like a hotel. You know, mm. I don't even want to start with that, but there is no like, hey, welcome to the Airbnb. This is what the experience should be like. This is someone's home. They only have X amount of time to clean the place. And that's not what I'm saying that they should say, but these are the mindsets behind what a welcome intro to Airbnb should be like. Um, and just courtesy, you know, like guests should learn to be respectful. It's not a hotel. You can't just call me whenever you want for pepper. One lady asked me for honey, you know, and I think that that's my problem with Airbnb is that they don't, they just put any and anybody on there. A girlfriend of mine had someone stay at her house. I mean, he was a super nice guy and he was cute. So it's like not the worst thing in the world, but he had a felony. Her mom Googled him and it turned out that he was a felon. So like they are letting people into your home, your house, especially when you're sharing your space without any kind of, um, true screening and mm. right now um my mom also rents on airbnb and she has a really big house so it's split right so she has you know one side and then there's another side that she rents and i don't know if you've heard about but there are these migrating migrants they don't live anywhere they're uber drivers or they just got divorced or they're going through something and they don't live anywhere, but they're booking these Airbnbs for months and you can't like, they're just in your house. And that to me is a massive problem with Airbnb right now. People who don't have, who are on the border of homelessness are booking Airbnbs to stay in people's homes. And as a host, you don't have any way of um, canceling them because what are they really doing that is wrong? So those are my qualms with Airbnb. Um, I think that it's like you need them. What is, I don't know. It's like. <laughs> you love to hate them kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love and hate them. I do. Yeah. But I think if Airbnb doesn't get their act together, they will be a segment on John Oliver's show. And then that will be really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time to wrap up the podcast. <laughs> Such but, a bad note. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think overall. First things first. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I always love talking to you, and and you bring you bring a lot, a lot to the table, and you bring it in a very like honest, open and kind of frank way. And to me, it's always interesting because it's kind of like the opposite spectrum, right? I love the people the rest is a little bit harder for me. So yeah. it's very, it's very interesting that it's like, it's the perfect balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think that like, if you guys go back re-listen to this, you'll, you'll find there's a lot of little nuggets in there. Um, and then one thing that you haven't said that you say all the time when it comes to Airbnb is really very much about quality in quality out. Yes. So the most amount of quality you can put into your stuff, then you get the best amount of quality out of it. And that means both, yes, the money, but also the experience for your, for your guests. 100%. And, you know, making sure that you're providing a quality product so that your guests will have a quality experience is so important. You know, like just change the garbage disposal when you get in, you know, check, get an A, get your AC, um, 
get your AC, um, what's the word, serviced. If you can knock out all of those maintenance things at the beginning, I promise you that you won't be dealing with, you know, ACs out, garbage disposal is leaking, all of those issues that a lot of people go through. And one of the things, you know, I just want to say also is that Airbnb has fundamentally changed my life. Um, you know, if you can do the math on the numbers that I just told you when I have, you know, four properties, the revenue is truly life-changing if you, you know, you're building from scratch. You know, I'm an immigrant to this country and I'm so incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have been able to do this as a woman, as a minority person in this country to just buy a property and turn it into a rental and start building and keep going. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that I want a lot of people to understand is that anybody can do this. You know, there are, there are no limits on, there, there are no real barriers to entry. And I think that once you just decide for yourself that this is what you want, I promise you that you can do it. I okay, that. that's, that's a much better note for us to get off on. That was, that was good. That was very good and motivational. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, deeply, deeply grateful to have you, have you as a friend, have you in my circle. Um, so that's, that's deep appreciation for that as well. Mike, my brother, any last minute wisdom that you want to share? No, like, like I said, I love doing these interviews because it just gets, no one has the quote unquote perfect Airbnb business. So I love seeing how all these different hosts make it work for them, what works for their personalities, what works for their goals. And again, just like Christina said, like anybody can do this. When you get clear on your why and you know why you want to get into this business, you can deal with any of the bumps in the road and you'll know exactly where you're going and it's completely worth it. And like you, it's completely changed my life, right? Like I got to leave my corporate job. My wife got to leave her corporate job. This is all we do now. And it's all because we learned the skill set, and it's unbelievable, right? So thank you for being here with us and sharing all those nuggets. We truly appreciate it. This was a lot of fun and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you guys. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of Short-Term Rental Secrets. I am so excited to be here with my brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's going on, E? What's up, brother? So good to be here. I'm so excited that we're starting this. I think it's been a long time coming. So I'm really, really excited that we get to share kind of our journey. Yeah, absolutely. So 
the purpose of this episode, basically just to give a little context of what you guys can expect from the show, share a little bit of background from E and myself and how we got into this business and the effect that it's had on our lives. And basically just to give you guys a little preview of what we're going to have going on here uh, every single week, delivering actionable content for you to launch, scale, and automate your own short-term rental business. So E, why don't you share a little bit on your background in this industry? You're kind of like an OG before this whole thing blew up. Yeah. And uh, share a little bit of your background and then the impact that this business has had on your life. Yeah. So um, I got into this business really by accident. Um, and I don't think I ever knew that this is what I wanted to do. Um, I was fresh out of college, had a degree in accounting and finance in the middle of the biggest recession of our time, at least. And uh, I wanted to be a wall for Wall Street. That's what I've always wanted. I was just wanted the bigger than bigger than life kind of life and money and everything else. So that's what I wanted. Uh, went to school in in Geneva, Switzerland, where there is more banks than people. So I was like, I'm going to find a job here right after college and, and be a wall for Wall Street. And when I graduated, banks were in hiring. And so I moved back here to South Florida. I live in um, a city called Boca Raton, which is about an hour north of Miami. And at the time, my mom and sister had moved from Italy and they were living in an apartment complex that offered housing for the tennis academy. So they were fully furnished apartments. Um, and they also offered seasonal rentals, which has been something that's very popular down here in Florida before even Airbnb became a thing. So it was the month of December. I just came back from school and I went to the leasing office of this apartment complex to ask something wasn't working at, at our apartment. And the gentleman that was there was like, Hey, I need an extra hand around the apartment complex, you seem to speak English well. My other maintenance guy is from Israel, so he has a very strong accent and people have a hard time understanding him. Would you be interested in being a maintenance guy? And that was the beginning of my real estate journey, right? And uh, throughout the years, especially at the beginning, I had a lot of ego, right? Because I had a degree in accounting and finance and I was there plunging toilets and painting apartments and picking up garbage. Um, so that was kind of like the beginning of my journey. And, uh, and then over the years, the gentleman decided to get a divorce and move back to Israel. Um, and that was very serendipitous at the time. He's like, hey, do you, do you want to buy the business from me? And the business was a 40-unit apartment complex in, here in Boca. And fast forward to nowadays, our, our company owns... 38 out of the 40 apartments. Um, and we remain a short-term rental community, exclusively a short-term rental community. And uh, we have done nothing else. So that was 10 years ago. This was my, this December was my 10th season doing this. this is the beginning of my, of my 10th season. And I still have clients that I had 10 years ago. That's so, amazing has been, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. And I actually, we had dinner the other day with one of our clients. He's like, hey, I remember you nine years ago bringing boxes at our apartment saying, yeah, one day we'll own, we'll own all of this. And like, I want to acknowledge you because that, that happened, right? So it's been, it's been a very um, humbling journey, you know, and it's been a very interesting journey. And uh I don't think I would be as good at my job 
if maintenance wasn't the beginning of my journey. Because the way that I look at properties now and the way that I understand Airbnb and the way I can turn over a unit um, is very different than somebody that comes from the other, other spectrum, right? Even seasoned real estate investors that have never hit a nail with a hammer. You know what I mean? I have, I have a PhD in building Ikea furniture. Like I don't even use, I don't even use the instructions anymore. That's how many furnitures I've like, this is a furniture I've built. You know what I mean? Like I just understand it. Like me and Ikea furniture talk to each other. So it's been, it's been definitely a lot of fun. I love that. So from maintenance guy, college grad maintenance guy to now owning 38 units of this apartment complex and quite frankly, taking on other properties now outside of this complex that you've yeah. done your portfolio above and beyond. And we'll probably do another episode where we could each deep dive into how we structured all of our deals and acquired these units and everything else and kind of more of a step-by-step -step on how we did it. No, absolutely. Um, but I think that giving a little bit of context is great, especially now that you and I can contrast each other. Yeah. You had the more, um, like you got right into it. Yeah. Where I got into this business three years ago as a side hustle working yeah. in corporate America. Right? Yeah. Well, so, I, re I remember you as the CPA, what I wish I learned in school guy that yeah. just wanted, wanted to buy apartment buildings. Right. Talking about like how we say in our intro, right? Like the different way, like we're not doing the traditional real estate investing way. And that's what people talk about all the time, right? Like start with single families and then build your way up to multifamilies. And that's what you wanted. And then look what happened three years later. Yeah, exactly. So uh, quick background on me. Ironically, we, I also had an accounting degree. I went to school. <laughs> I did what they told me. Went to school, got good grades, got a quote unquote good job as an accountant, went back, got an MBA and I uh, got a CPA license and all this stuff. And I spent the first 10 years of my career in corporate America. And about three years ago, my wife and I had our first, our only child at this point, and he was born with a rare lung disease. And we spent a lot of time at the hospital with him. And I will never forget this moment because it changed the entire trajectory of my life. We were sitting in the hospital waiting for the doctor to come in. And I had this realization that we had been in the hospital for three weeks straight and I was out of vacation time. I was out of sick time and all I had all these hospital bills piling up and I had to leave my wife and my baby in the hospital because I need to go back to a cubicle to trade my time for money. Mm -hmm. And as a dad and as a husband, that was the worst pain I had ever felt in my entire life. And in that moment, I made a promise to my wife that I would find a way to build a business that did not that did not rely on me to trade my time for money. It could give us the income and the lifestyle that we wanted, but would also more importantly, the time freedom so that we would never be in that situation again. And it yeah. just launched me down this path of just tenacious learning and studying everything I could. And right around that time is when you and I met and I was looking into, you know, traditional real estate investing. How do I, you know, get into buying apartments and cash flow and, and all that. But when I did out the math, I'm like, man, I'm going to need to buy a lot of apartments to replace my salary, like, like a lot of apartments. We were doing pretty well um, and it was going to take a long time and a lot of investor money and all this stuff. And I was like, I, there's got to be another way. And that was when I bumped into this whole short-term rental model, started learning and studying it 
launched that business about a year later. And within, you know, the first year I had one property and then the next year I had 15 properties and now we're off to the races. We're, we're purchasing a hotel with some investors and everything else. And, you know, my wife and I are both out of our corporate nine to five jobs and this is all we do full time now. And yeah. so I'm super passionate about this. This, this business has changed my life. It's given me the time freedom um, to, to do what I want with who I want, whenever I want. And uh, I'm just super grateful. And I want to share that message with as many people as possible to inspire and empower them to realize like, you don't have to just settle in a nine to five job for the next 40 years, crossing your fingers that you're going to have enough money in your 401k one day. Yeah. There, there's so much more for you out there. Yeah. And you also don't have to do it the traditional real estate millionaire next door way. Because that's, I, we, I lead um, with another business partner of mine, we lead an investor group and we have a lot of newbies that come there and they're like, we're going to buy our first property, which is great. But people don't understand that majority of the time when you buy your first property, what you're really going to be adding cash flow wise to your life, it's a couple hundred bucks, mm -hmm. right? Which there is nothing wrong with a couple hundred bucks, but that's why real estate game, it's, it's a long-term game. That's people don't understand that. Whereas vacation rentals, it is a long-term game too, but the cash flow that you make with the business that we have is completely different. And I joke about this with people all the time. If my 38 units, if I switch them over to traditional rentals, right? Like a normal 12 month lease versus my vacation rental leasing, I make 60% of what I would make in a 12 month traditional lease the first three months of the year. That's wild. So when people are like, why do you do it? And I tell people all the time, first of all, understand you're not a landlord, you're in hospitality. So this is a hospitality business. It is a real estate business because the underlying asset is, is a real estate, but we're in hospitality. But that's why there's so many hotels. Hospitality pays, has always paid. Yeah. So and that's the beauty what the of is. what we're going to talk about on this show is you don't have to own the properties, right? You and I both scaled our businesses yeah. without actually owning the assets. Yeah. Now we're in a different position where we've got a track record and we've gotten results for a lot of people. So investors want to invest with us and we are acquiring assets now, but we didn't start that way. Like no, I didn't I'm, have any more money. Yeah. I mean, up until a, a, a week ago, a week and a half ago, my portfolio was half the size it is now. Yeah. And all those other units were all master leasing and property management agreements and really shipment anything that I could to get my hands on a, on a property. Yeah, so absolutely. we have, between the two of us, we have proven every single way you can add units in this business. We have done it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And across multiple states, right? So, you know, you've got, portfolio in three different states yeah. between short-term and long-term rentals. I'm in five different states now. You, you don't have to do this in your back backyard. And I teach people that all the time. Um, and that's the beauty of this. And I'm just so excited to, to dive deep and I want to pump the brakes a little bit because this is going to be a fun ride. Uh, every single week we're going to yeah, be we'll providing actionable <laughs> content, right? We want to give context in this and kind of give a preview of, of what we're going to be talking about, but you know, we'll have other hosts, that have built large businesses, hundreds of units. And then we'll have some folks that have learned how to buy homes in Disney world that pay for themselves and a few thousand a month on top of it in profit, just 
you know, so whether you just want to own a vacation home that pays you every month, or you want to build a business like we did to make a career out of this, this business runs the gamut and there's ways to do it. Whether you have no money, a little bit of money or a lot of money, right? There's, yeah. there's a whole bunch of ways to do it. And uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, I'm not a number cruncher. Don't worry about it. Or, Hey, you listen to this. You're like, I am a number cruncher. How is this going to make sense? We'll show you. Cause the, the beauty of this is also something that you can do with your significant other in a way that is completely different. Right. Because I know Mike and I know my own experience with my own wife. It is very difficult to get excited about multifamily investing and cash flowing. But this business has this whole other component of decorating, creating an experience, creating a, a memorable experience for your customers that is, is just very, very different. And it's something that can become a family business very easily because then everybody can see the benefit. And as Mike said, you can see the benefit as you want an extra property for you guys to go on vacation because that's where you guys always love going and make money when you're not using it. And then once that happens, it can snowball into many different properties or many different vacation homes throughout the country, throughout the world, because there is no geographical boundary to what this business is. And there is no geographical boundary to like what you can do, or how many properties you can have, because this business works everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So to recap for this first inaugural episode and to set the expectations going forward, we're going to be releasing uh, one episode per week. We'll probably batch the first few. So we'll release at least five to 10 episodes out of the gate. And then we will release a podcast every single Monday morning like clockwork. And every week, again, we'll be bringing in guests or every once in a while, you and I e, will do solo episodes together where we'll break down deals. Uh, we'll probably be taking questions from folks. So we'll talk about it in a future episode, but we, we set up a private Facebook group that listeners can go to and we'll be streaming these videos, these podcasts over Zoom into the Facebook group so folks can ask questions and uh, make it as interactive as possible. Again, we wanna provide the most amount of value possible the most amount of actionable steps possible and create an engagement, create uh, a community of short-term rental hosts that all support each other to grow and thrive in this business. This is what it's all about. Yeah, hundred percent. And the other thing that's going to be amazing, even for if you're a seasoned Airbnb host, um, this can be your like Airbnb anonymous, right? Because like the reality of this business is not a lot of people do it. So not a lot of people understand what you go through. So this business is going to be the place, this podcast is going to be the place where you can be understood as an Airbnb host and have other people, like-minded people that understand what you're going through. Like I know Mike and I recently have gone through the same experience of having to completely furnish and turn over a unit in two days, three days. So like if you go to a normal person, you're like, hey, have you ever built an entire apartment, furnish it and equip it in 48 hours? They're looking and be like, that's, Nobody does that. So stay tuned. We'll show you some of that too, some of the back of how that works, where to get the best deals, how to do it best, all of it, all the secrets that we have combined in our little suitcase of SDR secrets over years and years. So I'm, 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 I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. 
All right. That's it. STR Nation. That wraps up our first inaugural episode of Short-Term Rental Secrets. Please make sure to subscribe, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on iTunes. It truly helps and share it with anyone that you know that is interested in getting into the short-term rental space. Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, Booking.com, you name it. We're here to provide actionable content every single week. So that's it, guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next time. Thank you.